Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. We provide straightforward information by bringing excellent guests with real-world experience in all topics related to commercial real estate investing. And in today's episode, we are learning how you can transition from residential real estate investing to commercial real estate investing. We are chatting with Amy Johnson, an amazing, amazing investor who transitioned to commercial after six years of doing only residential. She's sharing all of her lessons learned, her horror stories, so that you can shorten your transition time to a lot sooner than what it took her to get into commercial. She is a principal at Infinite Real Estate Group and Y Street Capital. Here we go. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so, so, so excited to have you here because you have, oh my gosh, so much experience with real estate. You're super successful right now. And I think our listeners would definitely benefit from learning from you. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. No, I really appreciate it. Let's see a little bit about me. I'm a mom of five kids. I run two different businesses. I have a residential real estate team. And then I also have my development and investor side of my other company there. So um, we're, we're a busy household. I love to ski. I love to do the mountains, anything in the mountains based out of Utah. So I'm, I'm really blessed that we have these incredible mountains around us. Thank you for that. I know that you started in residential and like a lot of people moved to commercial, but started in residential. I'm very curious as to how did you make the move and what made you think of moving to commercial real estate from residential? Yeah, I think it's a normal transition for people to start residential and then move over to there. See, I started out as an investor to begin with. I was actually a school teacher way back in the day, uh, taught high school. And we wanted to get out of debt. We wanted to change our life. You know, we, we kind of grew up with it's you go to school, you get a four year degree and and then you work forever. And then maybe you have enough money to retire, maybe in your 401k. And that's kind of what I kind of grew up with as, as actually a, as a point to get to, because I actually grew up very, very poor in a trailer um, and things like that. So that was actually a milestone for me to even go to school. So that's where I came from residential. We started with residential and we went through that journey of finding, you know, kind of house hacking our way through in finding residential. What made that transition was was really a lack of time. Um, we got comfortable in the real estate world and we realized going and doing these single units, it was too difficult to really scale and make it bigger. And so we felt like, okay, we need to, we need to open our world up into commercial opportunities. And that's when we made that switch in from residential to commercial. So how long did that take from purchasing our first residential to making the transition? And also curious, how did you do it? Did you start looking at, you know, yeah. mastermind groups and commercial or what was that next step? 
Yeah, yeah. So we it was about, remember, I wasn't even a real estate agent at that time. We started as a teacher, house hacking, buying our own house, those kind of things. So that journey was about a six-year journey of just simple one house a year kind of thing. We weren't at a scale of anything there. We were just, didn't come up from anything, had no formal training whatsoever and just had started for it. So that's where we, it took us six years to get to that point of even just being comfortable or even having the amount of capital to place into a larger deal. I used to think you had to have millions of dollars to go into commercial. And I realized that really isn't the case. Um, That was a great lesson I've learned. If I would have talked to myself 10 years back, been like, oh, you could be part of a commercial deal. You could be part of a syndication. You could be part of some of these bigger opportunities and you don't have to wait for that you have this huge amount of money to be able to go into that. That was a big part of a lesson I've learned that I I wish somebody had taught me ahead of time. But where we went, like I said, the scaling option was there and we decided, what are we going to do? And somebody came and said, they were building some storage units. They needed some money for it. And so I said, oh, well, okay, we could bring some money. And I also said, could we do a JV if I brought my friend that also had money? Could we do a joint venture? And they said, sure, yeah, go ahead and let's do that. And that was our first step into the storage unit project of being kind of, then I was what's considered an LP, a limited partner on that project because, well, I guess it wasn't even the LP. It was just, we were just joint venture people. We had three people, we brought some money together. They brought the storage project. I brought the money and and we joined in that way. And that was our first entry into there. We then started looking at other different types of assets. We dabbled into assisted living. I'll admit I had some life learning lessons there. Sounds like me and the car washes. <laughs> I, um, I, it can be an incredible asset. And I know people that have had some huge successes. But for me, I didn't. <laughs> so uh, we had some great, a lot of tears and things happened. I, I actually didn't, I guess I shouldn't say that. I walked away. I didn't actually lose any money, but I lost a lot of sleep. <laughs> looking at your type of asset what are you comfortable with what resonates with you what are you you know what aligns with your why and your purpose is important in working through it so we we found some what we don't like and then we moved and found what we do like and then we just kind of went high gear into that for it it, would it be fair to say that you didn't like all the moving parts on the assisted living world? I had a really hard time. I felt like I had, we had a smaller assisted living. I felt like I adopted 15 grandma and grandpa. And I had, I had a hard time when they would, you know, like if they would pass or how yeah. their family would treat them, you know? Oh gosh, yeah. A lot of drama there, a lot of things there. And I... I had a hard time separating myself with it. And, and it's, it was like a whole other job for me. It wasn't, I couldn't have like an asset manager to just completely remove myself. I didn't have to care about it. And yeah, I just love that part. I totally get it. (laughs) 
there's ways to do it that you i'm not saying this is not a bash i was just like there's ways to do it to make it work yeah. i did not do those right ways yeah i understand and so can you share not exact numbers but maybe cash on cash on that first self-storage jv deal just for us to compare with your residential properties right was it you know much better use of your time just so people yeah, really get the yeah, absolutely. The fact that I was kind of like the passive person on it, right? Like I'm not running it, I'm not operating it, all of that. So I really didn't have to worry about that. Um, and then we're still getting around. Now that one was a little unusual because it was a new construction. So we had to wait a little bit for it to build. So it's difficult to get the exact cash on cash. I won't give you a percentage there, but you know, those generate in general, some of our self storages generate around $30,000 of cash flow uh, a month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You compare that to a residential home. When we were looking at our residential homes back then, the things were a little bit more affordable in the Utah market. Our Utah market is getting very expensive right now. We were lucky to have a $500 cash flow per yeah. house. So okay. the fact that I could times it by that that large amount was a game changer for me. And, and one must go through these steps sometimes to really get it inside of their brains, right? It, it, it's all yeah. great in theory, but sometimes you really have to go through these yeah, steps. And, and some people will say, oh, well, why didn't you just jump straight to commercial, you know, or, or should I jump straight to commercial instead of, but the reality is, is I think I needed that fundamental from somewhere I needed to get the confidence and the fundamental knowledge of real estate in general to be able to feel confident and comfortable to be able to go into that larger asset because the reality is that with the larger asset if you're not careful I yeah. some more stories you know it could be a it with all those extra zeros you have on the cash flow it could also be extra zeros on the negative side yeah. if you don't do it well exactly you need a great partner if you're bringing in the money. Absolutely. So what would be some of the top three lessons learned that you wish you knew um, before making the transition? Yeah, I would say top three would be, and I can kind of expound on them. Number one, I would say shadowing a professional. So go in, don't expect to be the professional on your first deal. So maybe partner or work with or shadow somebody that's already done it. They've already gone through that. They're already found like this life lesson of, oh shoot, I'm never going to do that again. Go off of their, their learning curve for that. So that's the top one. The easiest way to do that is you can usually be part of like a syndication or something like that. Or you, I've had people come and say, Hey, can I shadow you, Amy? Can I work with you on there? And I'm careful with my time. So there are certain things on that, but if you bring the right amount of value, maybe you bring the deal to them. And then uh, we've done that with other people. You know, they've brought us a deal that, Hey, I have this great deal. I have this piece of dirt or I have you know, this opportunity, I don't know really what to do with it, but can I be part of your deal and learn from you if I bring this deal? That's always been a win-win. So that would probably be my top one, shadow kind of a professional to start. The second one, collecting individuals that have other strengths than you. We're all different. We all have different strengths and different superpowers. And you need to surround yourself with other people that have different skills than you. For example, I'm terrible at Excel. I hate it. 
I'm, it sucks the life out of me when I me work. Too. That so, but a conversation, I love having conversations. I love networking. I can, I can, I can do that part. And so I try to align myself with other people that are really good at the other parts and we make a really powerful team. I'd probably be the second. And then the third one, and this is specific for commercial, I would say, try not to be a generalist. Now it's okay to have more than one type of asset that you're in, but if you're, you're just chasing deals because you feel like it's a deal and you're not mastering any of them, you know, maybe you're in flex industrial, or then you're going to storage, and then you're going to retail, and then you're going to supermarkets or Dollar General, or you're going to assisted living or development. There's, those are all different things. They all have a very large learning curve in each of them. Like if somebody comes to me for retail, I've, I'm sorry, I'm like, it's, it's a fabulous deal, but I, I'm sorry, I'm not a retail person. That's not me. That's I don't do that. That's not my game. So we try to stick to a bread and butter and keep to those specific things so that I'm not a generalist and we know those problems. So we know what to expect and it allows us to turn things over faster and with less errors. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Do you wish you had it done commercial sooner than residential from the beginning? I wish I would have been able to listen to more podcasts or spheres or even open myself to the opportunity before. Uh, I'm happy that I started with residential. There's zero. I remember how much my hand was shaking when I was answering <laughs> to put a person in my house as a renter. <laughs> I was doing a house hack. Like I was so nervous doing that. The fact that I've gone from that to you know, this last month, we raised over $6 million in one month from webinar, you know, that's a big transition or, or the type of deals that we're working on now, you know, before I was really freaked out that I put a house, I had a second house under contract for a hundred thousand dollars. And then now I'll sign, I'll <laughs> sign a note for a $3 million piece of dirt every day, you know, well, not yeah. every day. I'm comfortable with it and I'm excited about it. I would have never been able to do that. I kind of think of it almost like when you're working with a baby or infant, you never feed them steak to start out with. And I feel like the commercial is a little bit of a steak, but the best way to get into that is like I said, join in a syndication, look at it, overview it, go with them, you know, and know what you're doing. Cause today's market, the amount that you can go into a syndication or, or a bigger deal like that is about the exact same amount that you would buy a single family home right now because prices <laughs> have gone up so much. If you want to share, you mentioned that there were a little bit of a few horror stories there. If you want to share a couple, you know, of what you went through and how you overcame them, I yeah. think that could also be beneficial. The biggest one was not having the right amount of reserves. Um, the second one was everything takes longer than you expect it to happen. And that goes back to longer reserves, right? The third one is not to just trust certain, always just rely on people's opinions of things, you know, to really do your own research as well, not to just say, okay, I learned, I was taught X, so it's got to happen. 
um, because they might not know your market. They might not know, every, you know, all those other parts for it. So if you go to a conference or something and you get pitched an idea, it doesn't mean that it's like a slam dunk, right? You've got to make sure, okay, now does that work in my market? Does that work in my area? For it. Those were the other ones. The other ones is I wanted to make sure I'm never going to rely on 12, $14 an hour employees. Like oh, <laughs> That's probably the biggest horror story part. There's a reason way back in college, I remember I was offered a position for a food manager person. And they said, Hey, you should even quit school and just manage these for us. And I just remember managing those employees and oh man, bless your heart. I just could, I'm not that patient. I mean, I have five kids, so I have a little bit, <laughs> but apparently my five kids take all my patients. <laughs> I can't manage those type of employees. So I wasn't very good at that. <laughs> I can relate. So yeah, pick your the right asset class that you will pick be working right with professionals. Yeah. yeah, that you can afford to pay professionals. Just That's like, another headache. Yeah, just like I won't buy a smaller multifamily anymore. Yeah. Because I'm I don't love to be the asset manager and I want a I want a product, I want an asset that I can pay a professional, like a really high octane professional management company to manage it. And I don't have to stress about, are they doing their job right? Because they far exceed it. Yeah. As expected, so many golden nuggets here. I really appreciate you sharing all of this. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you think is important for our audience to know? No, I just say, if you're starting out, the best way is to like, okay, I'm going to start listening to podcasts. I'm going to start networking, just start networking and talking the biggest part though, when you're networking and talking, don't come up to other people that are doing big deals and just say, I just want to take information from you. Try to give them some value first and you'll get a lot more value back if you come up instead of like, hey, let me just suck all the information out of you, Amy. Yeah, I had an instance like that and I was just like, oh my goodness, that was kind of a waste of time. I should have been spending it over here. And then I've had it the vice versa where they're like, hey, I brought this deal. I really want to learn. Here's this. What else can I do for you? And they come up with value that way. So that's exactly what our last guest just said. Be valuable to valuable people. So thank you for reinforcing the message. Okay. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Yeah, so we do a lot of stuff. Uh, you can look at Y Street Capital. You can see a lot of our projects there of what we're working with. Or if you want my residential side, infiniterealestategroup.com. We help people all across the United States as far as connecting other individuals to other high octane agents. So we can help you with that as well. And as always, all of these links will be under show notes. Amy, thank you so much for making the time to join us today. I really appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our very short, sweet and straightforward newsletter at monicarlorei.com. And I will see you next time.